Welcome into the show. Great to be with you today. Paul George in studio. We got a full house today. Deacon Adam Conk, Chad Bayrow, Uncle Chad in the house, sitting at the console. How you guys doing today, fellas? Doing great. Yeah, the Uncle Chad thing. I can't tell you the number of people have come up to me and, and like they just love Nonk Chad. I have people call me that all the time. If people... It's surprising. And a lot of people, I'm sure when they actually meet you in person, don't realize that you're Uncle Chad, and then they put it together. Yeah, well, I'm. my family doesn't even know I'm an uncle. Hmm. Because I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of all three of us. Well, obviously, your family does (laughs) not... the only one that's not even an uncle. (laughs) Obviously, your family does not listen to the radio show, Chad. No, not surprising. Yeah, same here. Same here. Right. Mom, yeah. Now, I did, my mom was listening to the radio show over quarantine when we were doing yeah. the morning show, Adam. Speaking from of. Georgia. Yeah. Um, I had to tell my mom, look, Paul's mom listens from Georgia. You won't even, you won't even tune in. <laughs> and Come on, he, mom. Do you even yeah. love me? <laughs> it's been crazy, you guys. We we haven't met in a couple of weeks. One studio was shut down for a week mm-hmm. for quarantine. Uh, and then we... Some of us in here had to quarantine uh, over Thanksgiving. Whoops. Oops. Um, <clears throat> I fine. did. You did. Uh, it's just weird. And so we're back at it. We thought we'd have these slew of Advent shows and funness going on, and we're just catching up. There's a lot happening. Yes. Yeah. Time to rejoice. Yeah. Or it's getting here anyway. In the world and in the church, things yeah. are going on. Yeah, in the world, in the church. I mean, we're, we're celebrating this Sunday, uh, the third Sunday of Advent, which is called Deacon Adam. Laudate Sunday. Laudate Sunday. Really? Oh, dang it. I thought it was Gaudate. That would be... Uh, okay, sometimes I get it mixed up. All right. <laughs> Wait. No, la- let's look it Gaudete up. Gaudete Sunday is Advent. Yes. Laetare Sunday is in Lent. Lent. Yes. Okay, well, always what's get those Laudate Sunday? Is that Laudate actually? is not even a thing. <laughs> okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> it sounded so good. <laughs> and you had you made uh, you made Deacon do it, too. It's a word. but It, it is a word. And it's it means the same thing as Laetare because it comes from... But it's... There is no doubt how to Let's love Dante's other things. All right. So, yes, right, it is Gaudete Sunday and Laetare Sundays in Lent, but it's the same idea. It's just past halfway through the penitential season. Let's take a little breather and then get back at it. Yeah, man. I got to tell you, I've had the best Advent I think I've ever had. Why? It's been a heck of a year, but it's something about, and you're the same way, Deacon. Like, my wife is expecting soon, and there's something about preparing for a baby. And like preparing for the Christ child, that's so similar. And it's exciting because you get it. Like, I feel like I get it right now. Thousand percent. I I sort of, I mean, Mary was in a bit of different position, you know, Uh, like running away and stuff and all those things and like giving birth to a child in an inn, you know, a lot of uncertainty there, but, and giving birth to the savior of the world, which my child is probably won't be. Um, (laughs) Probably. Is that what you Probably won't be. Yeah. He'll help though. Yeah. I'm sure he'll participate. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. God willing, that is that is just a little side note. That is kind of what missionary activity is like. It's like your kid saying, "Hey, can I help cook supper?" You're like, "Sure." Why don't you hand me the Tonys? It'll be a big help. <laughs> that's, that's what missionary activity is like. Those like, of you, not Jesus, from can I help you spread the gospel? Sure, <laughs> sure. Add some Tonys here. <laughs> spread the seasoning, please. Yeah, yeah. Right. but continue. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, I mean, I'm not giving birth to the Savior of the world, but there's a lot of excitement there. A lot of preparation. Uh, nervousness, a little anxiousness, but a lot of eagerness for my child to come. So I, I just feel like I can relate a little bit, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's made Advent way more enjoyable. It, you know, what I was explaining to someone yesterday, having this conversation, and she's she's engaged, 
were doing their marriage prep, right? And, you know, was kind of inviting her to, to get into Advent a little bit more, right? For you guys whose wife's expecting, there, there's such a, you know, like a tangible thing that's happening that's connected with the Holy Family. And I, I said, you know, the difference that I often feel that's between Advent and Lent, um, obviously we saw, you know, Jesus being born, Jesus dies, you know, we know all those differences, but in, in a sense of immersing yourself in the season and growing mm-hmm. is that Advent is so much more human. You know, the Holy Family is such a part of the journey of Advent. They, Mary and Joseph were human. You know, they, they, they had human activity. They were married. They were a family. Uh, they did human things. They experienced human, you know, a lot of human things in a sense of the way that we do, right? In everyday life, uh, you know, they, they moved. They had jobs. Uh, they, they experienced just all sorts of life and transition and engagement and pregnancy and, you know, disappointment. It, it's very, it's a human experience to enter into. And so no matter where you are listening in the show and, you know, whether you're expecting, you're engaged, you're in transition, it's been a tough year, you've had to move, you've lost a job, you, you know, whatever, you can enter into Advent in that place because it's so human. It's a human experience and connect that human experience with the Holy Family. That's kind of what my advent's been like in a different way. You know, my wife's not expecting, right? Um, but that you, you know, of. you know, twenty twenty's kind of landed. <laughs> you never know with us Catholic folks. <laughs> but yeah. Paul gave me such a stare. <laughs> if, I'm not expecting it. If she was, if she was, I would probably not be here right now. Uh. I'd be belly up. <laughs> I'd be belly up at a bar somewhere. Where'd Paul go? I, we found him. He was belly up. How long you been here, Paul? Weeks. <laughs> um, so anyway, it, it. I don't know if you guys find that, but it's it's a very human season, you know, and it's beautiful in that way. And so, no yeah, matter right. where we are, um, yeah, I mean, the difference between Advent and Lent. There is a, they're both penitential seasons, but there is a profound essential difference to them. I think you're touching on it, Paul, in a, in a real way, is that the end of Advent is a family, right? And the end of Lent is a resurrection. Mm-hmm. So the end of Advent is that God has come to us in a human family that we can join. We can be a part of that family, and that's great news. For example, the end of Advent is angels singing glory to God in the highest, and this is great news for all peoples, right? It's It's like this human message to all humanity. God has come to dwell with us, and we can dwell with him within a human family. We can join the Holy Family and the church. I mean, the church is the Holy Family that we get to join. That's the message. And then the the, the Lenten Easter experience is that as part of this family, God conquers our sin by his death and his resurrection, and there's a promise of new life that we can live forever with him in heaven, um, which is still a message for everyone, but it's a message that's particularly Christian. Whereas like Christmas is all people of goodwill. This, this is why I think Christmas lends itself to a participation from even the secular world and other things, because it is a message that is more accessible than the very explicitly Christian death, resurrection of Christ. Both great, don't get me wrong. And of the two, Easter is the greater message because we'll live forever in that holy family because of what Christ did on mm-hmm. the cross and in and rising from the dead. However, the invitation of Christmas, it's its particular thing. It's an inviting hmm. experience, you know? Mm. Absolutely. All yeah. right, so Chad, 
uh, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. For real though. Um, okay. So how real? <laughs> I can't talk. I, I don't know whatever <laughs> you're gonna say. I know. I, wait, yeah, this one's really. The last one we had was pretty outrageous. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> this one's you know outrageous, but I don't know if it tops last last times because that was just. I mean, it was surprising to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if you didn't hear it last time, just go back as on it the came podcast, out of my mouth. I, I was like, re- I can't believe I'm saying this. Out loud. <laughs> well, it was a news story, but anyway, what it do you, was a news story. What do you got this time? So, um, we all love honeybees, and everybody's all concerned about honeybees, right? We but, are concerned about. Well, them? people were, you know, they're like worried about the bees dying, and they're very important to like our crops. And there's an issue this year with this. It's one of the 2020 problems. Oh. Yeah, so bees bee are dying. Problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So and. Part of the reason is because of something we mentioned previously on the show. Uh, murder hornets will literally decapitate bees. Really? Yeah, they go in, infest the hive, eat all the bees' heads, and leave. Really? And and, and are, lay eggs in the hive or, you know, whatever. That's interesting. So, that's, and... That's like the, it's like the, you know, this is like Genghis Old Kong. Testament. Yeah. Dude, you know, wild stuff. <laughs> plague so, stuff. Wild stuff. So, uh, and there's... Uh, a cousin to the murder hornet is the Asian giant hornet. Very similar. <laughs> <laughs> These all exist. And so in bees Asia. are good for us because of the pollen and and for well, you know. they are. I mean, one of the big reasons we're able to have large scale farming in the way we do and like feed the world and the way we're able to feed the world is because bees populate. I don't know if you know this side sidebar. Teach but me. I will teach you. Uncle so Chad. we learned we learned as we were planting blueberries last year that. <laughs> Okay. I just love no uh, listen. <laughs> uh, I know it sounds way off, but anim- uh, uh, most, uh, a lot of plants anyway, a lot of like fruit plants can't survive unless they have other plants to pollinate them. You can, like blueberries are like that, apples are like that, uh, amongst others. And so bees are the main way they, uh, you know, fertilize each other. Man, those little suckers, they play a huge role. They're oh, a big yeah. deal. They're a big deal. So anyway, they are one of the first known insects that can use tools. They just discovered tools. recently. Tools. Their tools are not what you think. Like pliers? Uh, yeah, uh, just like pliers. A wrench? So, like, what are you? Uh, they discovered how to repel the hornets from their nest. And they do this by going pick up uh, animal droppings, okay, cow droppings, and speckling it all over. And it repels the hornets. Wow. Like, like they've, they've, that's amazing. They figure this out on their own. Yes. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing how nature like adapts. Dude. You know, oh yeah, you're going to attack me? I got this. <laughs> this is what I think of you. Right. <laughs> so this is happening. For this the bees to happening. survive, they don't need humans. They can basically adapt themselves, figure they out have how, adapted themselves. how to crazy. handle the attacks of the hornets. This is like a, like a show in the making. Now, does any Dude. droppings work or specifically uh, they, smelly ones? The ones that... <laughs> The ones that they were using were cow, cow and horse hmm. from like farms. So, I mean, yeah. That's good to know. So I, if I have a hornet problem. Yeah, dude. At the house, I could just some rub cow patties. Yeah. Well, here's what I I, I really want to know. Cows. Does any of the, the cow droppings get into the honey? Because. Yeah, yeah that know, is. That's cross That is the concerning yeah. part. Yeah. You don't want to cross pollinize the, uh, the honey and the, and the dung. No, no. But I just thought it was kind of cool. Well, that this is amazing. I've actually had a science lesson today. You've learned a lot today. Yeah. You know, it is it, it is amazing though, like when you when you kind of zoom out on all this, right? And and you get in the nature. 
we talk about how nature actually reveals God, reveals mm -hmm. who God is, reveals the existence of God. And a lot of people have have come to know the existence of God through nature, like because God reveals himself just so beautifully through creation. And it's something that it's almost like today, like we, we look for revelation more in technology than we just do in the natural uh, evolution of, of like creation and, mm -hmm. and nature. It's wild. It's only natural. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it, when you look at that situation, we're talking about a tiny, tiny being with a tiny, tiny brain that operates completely on instinct, no intelligence, just on instinct, mm -hmm. and is able to do that. Like someone created this thing, right? Someone designed a, a bee nature that's so perfect that it can pick up poop and use it to save its house and its family. <laughs> hmm. Just by instinct, not yeah. even by like, let, let's think about this and strategize. Now, what are, what are hornets repelled by? Oh, yeah, let's get a bunch of that. Just by instinct, it's able to do this. It's amazing what God has done. I mean, we couldn't do that. We couldn't create a bee. No, but you could create a repellent. I mean, you have a lot of kids. <laughs> if you're getting attacked at your house, you'd be like, kids! <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, that, that yeah. reminds me of an, uh, a study I saw a while back about uh, whether or not like God was something that was built into our natures or if it was, it was nurture, right? And one of the things it showed is that... Um, it's, it seems we seem to intuit that God exists. Like we, it's part of our intuition mm -hmm. that God exists. And I, yeah, it makes me like, I think that it's worthwhile to trust our intuitions unless, yeah, they're proven otherwise, right? Like you ought to love your parents. It's from birth. You do that. I mean, like, it's just part of who you are as a human. Yeah. And our nature has built the moral, moral code and moral law, you know, like, like t to love and to, to, to know good, right? It's it's built into. I know. Sometimes a, our intuitions know more about us nature. than I think we can. Yeah, and that's and, one of the weakest arguments I think that atheists will have is when they, this argument that we invent God because we feel like we need to have meaning in our life, so we invent meaning. We we feel like death is not uh, desirable, so we create this idea that we can live after death and and all these things. So in other words, they they look at our hearts and I say, well, of course we want all these things, therefore we invent what. But they don't, they don't look at it in reverse. It's like, why do I want these things? The bee doesn't want everlasting life. Mm -hmm. I mean, the bee, you know what I'm saying? Like, the bee doesn't want meaning in its life. The gorilla, the like, something about me is so unique that we as humans all want that. It must be because it exists, right? And uh, it's so illogical to say that we're starting with a defect by wanting to live forever. Yeah, wanting meaning in life. Like, no, this is a huge evolution. If you if you really believe in evolution, human beings have this desire uniquely. Like, this longing for God is a unique thing that evolved. If you want to look at it that way, and so it's not a defect. No, it's written into our DNA, our hearts, our, our nature is to know our Creator. Right there, there is no defect in that. And it it it's the very thing that we desire because it is who we are. Right. That's why we, you know, we talk about taking retreats and, you know, going off in the silence. And if you reconnect just in nature, in silence, in beauty, it's like your heart is like made for that moment, right? It's made, it's like, oh, God's here. I don't even have to think about God being here. God's present here, right? Mm -hmm. And if more people in the world just, you know, got away, like just, you know, unplugged and, and got into, in, into the, 
the desire of their heart and into creation and the nature they would just it would just be like an understanding of like oh god's here like he's present with us you know he's present with me you know personally you know and so that that's the beauty and you know we talk about this in in nature is and what comes very natural in advent that's the beauty of advent it's just it's it's such a human experience of entering into the life of who who were created to be i love the journey of the holy family because it's so human you know it it the beauty of their journey is like, yes, I can relate. And, and yet in the midst of their journey being very imperfect, right. In a sense of like, it it wasn't what they had planned. It was very inconvenient journey, right. Mm -hmm. Very inconvenient. God was present with them, right. God was very present with them. Um, And so uh, that's what we want to invite everyone into this event. All right, let's take a break and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you in the studio with Deacon Adam and Uncle Chad. Paul George here. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. You know, we were quarantined. Um, we actually, we at Thanksgiving, you know, it it's just been kind of a, a wonky year. It's good everybody, to be back. Everybody knows that, you know. Yeah. Um, this so any, is a good time. Yeah. I gotta say, so I we're have in, a good time in the middle of Advent. <laughs> um, I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoy. And, and when I say middle of Advent, we're we're kind of really are. And then this Sunday well, is literally the middle, the yeah. thir- third Sunday of Advent, mm-hmm. which we light the pink candle and digging at him. I think for the first time. Correct me if I'm wrong. You get to wear this beautiful rose color. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, yeah, so the church has these rose colors on Gaudete Sunday and Laetare Sunday. And some guys that I've met, priests or deacons, they're like, they can't wait to wear that color. It's a pink color. You know? Just because it's different or what? I guess. They, they just think it looks nice. And mm. it is. I mean, it's nice to... It's blingy. That's a nice shade of pink. I'm not anti-rose, don't get me wrong. Like no. I'll put it on gl- gladly, but it's not like I'm like, man, this looks So awesome. what is the significance of the color? <laughs> Yeah, I love this. Uh, so violet, not purple, violet is the penitential color. And right. violet is like a flower, right? Mm-hmm. And here's why I bring that up. So violet is the color of penance of Advent and Lent. And then the season that's going to come after it that we're preparing for, the color is white, right? It's like Christmas and mm-hmm. Easter. It's the color of life. Mm-hmm. Resurrection. Right? Resurrection, that kind of thing. So you have that. And in the penitential season, the church has put for centuries... Uh, this little marker to say you're a little over halfway. A lot of you are ready to give up. It's tough. It's difficult. I get it. Take a little breath. Look at what you've accomplished. Look at what you still have left. Get a little taste of the joy that's coming up and then get back to it, right? So if you take a little taste of the white of Christmas and the white of Easter and add it to the violet of Advent and the violet of Lent, you get the color rose. Really? Yes. So that's why I say it's violet. Because if you take purple and add white, it doesn't quite. It's like yellow and blue make green. Like this is what we're doing. That kind right of now. thing. Yeah. It is exactly it. 
So um, it's like a little taste of the joy of Christmas or a little taste of the joy of Easter uh, on that Sunday. So you're supposed to rejoice. And the words, Laetare Gaudete, mean rejoice. Hmm. And they come from the first word of the Mass for those two days. So Laetare is in Lent. That's the first word of that Mass. And Gaudete is the first, like the entrance antiphon. Right. The first word is rejoice, Hmm. um, just in different ways. Gaudete is like rejoice. Laetare is rejoice. And I forget the, there's a difference in their meaning. One is like an imperative, like you must rejoice. Hmm. Mm. I think that's Gaudete. Yeah. Gaudete is you must rejoice. Yeah. So anyway, you get to wear a mixture. <laughs> you have no choice. You get to wear a mixture of colors that turn into rose. It's like two at once. You know, and, but it is a, it is a Sunday of rejoicing in Advent. Mm-hmm. It's like this expectation of what's to come. Right. Another reminds me of and, real quick is the cheerful aesthetic, like, uh, St. Francis, or Blessed Francis Xavier Silo, so it's called the cheerful aesthetic. So the pen- penance and rejoicing. Yeah. I'm sorry. You can continue. <laughs> no, but there is this expectation and rejoicing in Advent. Like, we, we're, we're coming up to Christmas, but yet the waiting is waiting with the Holy Family in the sense of their, <clears throat> their expectation, their anticipation of giving birth to the Son of God, right? And yet it hadn't happened yet. And yet mm-hmm. they didn't know what was coming. And they didn't know what was in front of them. They were just in the moment. Advent is this <clears throat> this patient waiting in the moment every day of of growing and walking with the Holy Family. Yet this Sunday we, we sort of anticipate that there's greatness to come. You know, the Son of God is coming into the world, right? You guys are expecting, um, you know, a child, right? Um, and And so you have this expectation that you're just, you know, living with just every day, right? What, what were your, you know, your, your son look like, Chad, your first mm-hmm. child, right? And Adam, what will your eighth child be and look like? And <laughs> I have a pretty good idea at this yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> y'all y'all well, make so many combinations. Y'all make one brand of kid. I mean, they kind of like, you know. Well, yeah, and to, to further that analogy, so this, the Laetare moment or the rose-colored moment of that pregnancy is like the ultrasound where you find out it's a boy. Mm, yeah. Right? Like it's a little taste of, having the child, right? Like of, you know, knowing the child after birth, but it's not born yet, right? Oh, it's, it's a little taste. like finding out the gender and the excitement of that. Right, right, that little moment of joy and excitement of receiving the child, but still not yet receiving the child. Mm. You know, so that's that's what the rose colors are in Latore is. A food analogy would be, this is the moment when you're cooking the gumbo and you taste to see if it came out good or not. Mm. It's not done, but you want to make sure. Kind of midway through. The seasonings are right. Yeah. The roux is good. And then good. if it's not, you you need to deal with it before it's done. That's what ad, this is. What it is in Advent. It's like if your Advent's terrible till now. Okay, what is it missing? Let's add that for the last two weeks. So so if you're not Cajun, you're <laughs> listening to this right um, on the radio, or if you're listening on the podcast, when you cook a gumbo, it, it's a long process in the sense of like Hours. the way the way it gets better is that it you know it cooks and the seasons you know just blend and they cook over time. That's why they always say like the leftover gumbo is much better. The, the next day or the day mm-hmm. after because it just everything just sits together and and the taste it just explodes in your mouth so if you eat the gumbo like i'm just telling you right we, we know this because we're here but if if you're not from here you don't know this if you eat the gumbo before it's fully cooked it just kind of has a bland taste right mm-hmm. yeah it's not quite there yet it's not there yet it's not there yet but you also can tell at a certain point if you if it came out the way you thought it did or if it didn't mm-hmm. and if it didn't you got to compensate right yeah like, man, this went really well. Everything was exactly like I thought it would be. This is going to be delicious gumbo. Just keep doing what you're doing. Or 
This did not work out. Yeah, we got to adapt. <laughs> we got to adapt. We got to do some things. Right. Th- that's Laetarius, uh, Gaudete Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, in the middle of Advent, we, uh, like this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, we celebrate two really cool saints, uh, both women, um, and uh, one Marian. Uh, and then on Sunday, we celebrate St. Lucy. And then on Saturday, December 12th, we celebrate Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, which are two really, really cool days, right? Big time, yeah. Our Lady of Guadalupe is the most visited shrine in the world, yep. which is wild. I mean, there's Lourdes and Fatima that are just as well known, but Guadalupe is where the people go. Yeah, so I have a special devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and they say a lot, you know, what you have a, we all have, as Catholics, a devotion to Mary, right? And then... What they say is, you know, I don't know who they is, theologians, <laughs> saints, is that you can have a specific devotion to Mary through a specific, you know, um, one of her names or her um, titles, it, titles yeah. and fill yourself. And I was like, well, how do you know that? Right? Like, how do you do that? So <laughs> about <laughs> about 10 years ago, this, you know, a friend of mine was telling me that, you know, as I, I was doing a, dev, uh, a consecration, Marian devotion, right, and consecration. And he started talking to me about having a specific devotion, you know, to one of her names or, um, you know, the ways that she reveals herself. Right? I was like, oh, that sounds kind of weird. I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't get that. He said, well, just pray that at the end of your Marian devotion that she will reveal to you, who, like, which, which name, you know, and which devotion. I was like, okay. So I just did it, you know, out of faith. Through the Marian consecration, I prayed for, you know, just a sign, right? So, and, and no lie. And then by the end of the consecration, which was like 33 days, I wasn't thinking about it anymore. You know, I wasn't like, you know, every day I was like, well, you know, what's the sign? What's the sign? And he had told me like, the sign will be um, some some type of picture or something, you know, like a an image I was like, okay, whatever, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like as Catholics, like, there's so many different things. Is that what you, you think when I talk to you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> okay, whatever, just shut up. <laughs> and we act in faith, so no lie. And I'm and I'm not joking. I was um, in my office. I was living in, in Homa, Thibodeau at the time, and we had this old, old office in this old, old rectory, okay, that we were renting out, right? And the... I was digging in this closet on the last day of my consecration, and I pulled this bookshelf out. Um, uh, it was a junk closet, and I pulled this bookshelf out from the wall to kind of, we were cleaning it out, and behind this bookshelf was this old, huge picture of Our Lady of Guadalupe, hidden, like, behind this bookshelf. And wow. when it popped out, I mean, it was huge. I mean, it, it's one of those, you know, um, big wall hangers and had dust all over it. And when it popped out, I was like, it just hit me. I was like, oh, wait, that's <laughs> it, like today. And so ever since then, I've had this specific devotion to Our Lady mm. through Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah, I mean, Our Lady is such a unique person in the plan of salvation. Um, so she's not just another saint in the same way that the the community of saints, she's on a different level of a relationship with God. So like I have a relationship of God through adoption, for example. All right. So I'm adopted into Christ through baptism. 
But Mary's relationship with God is, she is adopted into Christ, just like I am, but she's also in a unique way related to God because she is the mother of that God who adopts us. She mm. is the mother of God, and this makes her very unique. And her role is very unique. She has a universal patronage. Um, she is a dispenser of all graces. So these specific titles all reflect a particular work that she does to accomplish God's will in his plan of salvation in a particular way. Mm. And these apparitions are all specific works that have a specific flavor, charism, effect. Our Lady of Lords, for example, healing is the main flavor and effect, mm -hmm. right? Like God wants to heal the world. Part of his plan of salvation is to heal the world through the intercession of this apparition and, and apparition in Lords, where there's a chapel built. Usually there's a chapel or shrine Our Lady asks, asks for to mm -hmm. give certain graces that God wants to give the world through there. So what is the effect of Our Lady Guadalupe? Hands down, obviously definite evangelization. Yeah. That is the effect of what God has done mm -hmm. in the world through Our Lady of Guadalupe. Because six million people were baptized in nine years because of what Our Lady did. Oh, my gosh. That is 3,000 people a day on average, which is Pentecost a day for nine years. That's crazy. Nothing That's has happened nuts. since or ever before that level of evangelization in the church or in the world, and it probably will never be topped. Yeah. So, so, and that's probably why I have a specific devotion to, yeah. to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Because I've just spent so much of my life, you know, in evangelization and discipleship. But you see in the mass conversions that have happened through this, and you know, and for people who aren't Catholic or Protestant who don't understand this, and I always say, like, you know, you judge something by its fruits, right? Like the fruits. So you cannot understand Marian apparitions or Mary not believe in them. But when you look at the fruits, it makes you question, like, oh, something's going on there. It's the same thing in the church when they investigate these apparitions. It's not like, oh, Mary appeared, boom, let's put up a shrine. They they really look into it to see if it was legit, right? And they investigate. And the fruits of this apparition were, were so, you know, massive that it was like, yeah, something miraculous happened here, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you read the story, if you don't get a chance, if you're listening, you, you know, dive into the story of what happened with St. Juan Diego, you know, who was, you know, a 57-year-old, you know, uh, native in Mexico in, from from a village, and he was just walking along and 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 heard music, and and like you know walked upon this this apparition right um, of of Mary. It says one one was walking by a hill called Tepiac. Uh, if you've ever heard of that name, that's where it comes from. Uh, when he heard beautiful music, um, <clears throat> and a radiant cloud appeared, and within it stood an Indian maiden dressed like an Aztec princess. So within within their own ethnicity, you know, Mary, you know, appeared. The lady spoke to him in his own language and sent him to the Bishop of Mexico, a Franciscan named Juan de Zamorago. The bishop was to build a chapel in the place. So the bishop thought he was crazy when he went to As him. you should, if somebody... As right. you should, yeah. like... I mean, I could have... I <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you're like... Um, yeah, eventually the bishop told Juan uh, to have the lady give him a sign. So, hey, if this is true, then, you know... Let let there be a sign, right? And about this time, uh, Juan's uncle became seriously ill. Um, this led poor Juan to try to avoid the lady. Nevertheless, um, as we all know, uh, the lady, uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, appeared on his garment. You know, his mm. his um, <laughs> his tilma, yeah. yeah, his tilma, which is crazy. Like you can't make this up, right? 
uh, and this is in the 1500s, like 1530, 31, 31 yeah. and, um, you know, like, you, you just think that's like, that's 500 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you can go look at it right now. The thing should have dissolved within 70 years because it was a cactus fiber tilma. Those don't survive for very long, but it's been since 1531. And it's been, people try to blow it up, blow it up twice. It's in Mexico City when there was a great Catholic persecution. A bomb went off right near the tilma. The bees came to the rescue, though. (laughs) There was a steel crucifix that was bent by that explosion, bent back like that. And the tilma was untouched. This was that was in the early 1900s. So I mean, it's not like this is something we're talking about of legend of old. Like go to Mexico City. This is is, go see it. Interesting is because this is around the Protestant Reformation, and you know around the you know a lot of dysfunction within the church as well, within yep. the Protestant Reformation. And yet, in the midst of, of this, what's happening in the Third World, what's happening in, you know, Central America is mass conversions. Yeah, I would uh, propose this is a great shuck the, <laughs> shuck, shake the dust off your feet moment, what Jesus was talking about, because the church's answer for the Protestant Reformation was the Council of Trent, right? Mm-hmm. This deep inner renewal. We should have done it. I'm not saying don't do it, but that was the the institution's answer is let's have a council and let's solve these problems. Let's get things straight, right? Mm-hmm. Okay? Right. God's <laughs> answer. We lost six million Catholics to the Protestant Reformation during that time. Yeah. God's answer was let's go to the poor people who don't know me and let's get six million more Catholics. Let's shake the dust off of our feet for those that left the church and let's look forward and evangelize, right? Mm. And the exact number it matches if you look at the time period. That's crazy. Six million to six million. Yeah. That's wild. And, and that's why, you know, I think, I don't think I know, is that we rely so so much on our own strength and our own human. Let's meet more. Let's strategize more. Um, you know, and, you know, if we actually just prayed for miracles and let God lead and, and let God do his thing, like, you know, Look what happens. You know, the, the fruits don't come from us anyway when it comes to, like, the work of the world, evangelization, disciple. It's, it's God. It's God's grace. It's God's miracles. It's, it's what God is doing. And we just got to lean into that. Yeah, which is a huge relief. <laughs> that it's God doing it. You know you what I mean? You just got to hand him the Tonys. That's all you got to do. Yeah, dude, hand him the Tonys. He'll, he'll get your gumbo right. <laughs> no, before, he hands before you the Tonys. And then you got to hand it back. <laughs> <laughs> Say, fix this, Tony's for me. Well, and I think you're 100% right, Paul. And if you look at Juan Diego's story, Juan was not like Francis Xavier. Juan did not say, all right, because this has happened and this is amazing, I'm going to go out and tell everyone about it. Juan says, all right, Bishop so-and-so, uh, now that this has happened, what I want to do is I, I just want to live as a hermit at this shrine. I just want to stay here. He was a widower. He was, yeah, his, his wife died two years before the apparition. Apparition. He was only a Christian less than ten years before that. It became and look, this was not this was not a situation where the Mexican people were primed for evangelization. They hated the church. the The, the missionaries had no effect. They were mm-hmm. barely baptizing anybody, and yeah. they, they thought it was ridiculous. This is not like oh, we just needed one little thing to get us over the edge. This is a miraculous turnaround. Mm-hmm. This was not like a place where we would expect the church to thrive, I guess what I'm saying, because it wasn't thriving. But then God goes into that wilderness, into that desert, and, and pulls this off. And Juan spent the rest of his life as a hermit, greeting the pilgrims that came and telling them the story. Like, yeah, Mary appeared to me, and she said this, and I did this, and that's that it. That sounds more Indian. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Adam's how they accent talk. Has one, that's how they Adam talk. has one accent. 
Point being, <laughs> the amazing evangelization did not come through a strategy or an even an effort. It came through God's grace mm. and just receiving God's grace. And all Juan was was someone who was willing to receive God's grace. And this is what's so significant about, you know, this being during Advent, right? Because, you know, the miracle of Jesus coming into the world is a miracle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's God's response to a world that was significantly in destruction and in need, right? A Savior. And comes through uh, Mary. A miracle, right? Like, and, and it... Like Juan Diego, she wasn't like, you know, woke up every day thinking it's going to happen today. Like she didn't know. Like she was just like, I'm going to follow Jesus every day. I'm going to follow God every day. And and um, just, you know, and then this happened, right? Juan was just living his life, you know, he, he you know, and then continued to live faithfully from there. This this feast day is in the middle of Advent because, you know, we see some Marian, um you know, feast days, like we just celebrated the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary this this past week, right? Uh, it's during Advent. I mean, Mary plays a crucial role in this, the story of salvation. Like, you, you know, you can't, you can't extract her from the story. Mm, that's good. Man, I have a hard time thinking right now. I'm just full of wand jokes in my head. <laughs> just rolling around there. Tell really? us. I think we have to move on. Tell, you, tell us Juan. Tell us Juan. <laughs> was that one of the ones you were thinking? No, not quite. Oh. I was thinking of, I mean, he just thought he was not the one. And he, <laughs> he did. He, he, he said, was the one. You're right. He said that. I'm not the one. You are definitely getting ready to be a dad, Chad, because oh, yeah. you got some can't. cheesy dad jokes. Dude, they're just, they just sit back there all day. <laughs> I just I have to tell somebody eventually. Yeah, well. That's what, that was the worst part about quarantine. Yeah. Who are you going to tell your jokes to? You couldn't tell just your dad Abigail. jokes? Just Abigail. Poor Abigail. Yeah, I know. She's well, had Paul, enough. Paul, I think you're 100% right. There's an interesting parallel between Juan's <laughs> Thanks life. Thanks for moving forward. <laughs> Juan's life and Mary's life. You know, they Mary wasn't a missionary in her life on earth. I mean, she didn't go out like with Paul. Mm-mm. Probably to let Paul do his thing. Because I mean, imagine if you want a missionary journey with Mary. Like, Yeah, she's a star. I mean, you know. <laughs> like you like really Paul, gave birth to Paul. Jesus? <laughs> Paul needed to become Paul, you know. Right. So anyway, she lived. I was the one. She lived. <laughs> she lived that hermit life like Juan did the rest of her life. You know, she just stayed close to the Lord and and uh, so anyway, he's he's like a male Mary in a lot of ways. Yeah, humble um, and and faithful. What a compliment. You know, um, beautiful. You know. So anyway, all right, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. We're laughing on the break. Sorry about that. The uh, uh, If you're listening on the radio, KLFT Radio, Christ the King Radio, uh, thanks for listening in today or on the podcast uh, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. Uh, thanks for being a part of the show. You can share the show anytime through the podcast and uh, invite people to hear about it. We have an interesting show. We're in the middle of Advent. For us as Catholics, Advent 
like it, it's a season and these seasons are particular to us to help us grow closer to Christ. And, you know, in the, the liturgical calendar, we follow the life of Christ, right? So Advent for us is actually the new year. You know, when, mm-hmm. when Advent starts four weeks before Christmas or whatever the exact number of days is, is that's the new year. So it'd be like January 1 for the rest of the world. For Catholics, our January 1 starts Advent, and we begin this spiritual journey of Jesus not even being born, of the revelation of Christ coming to Mary, and and this whole journey into Jesus being born on Christmas. Then Christmas is its own short season, right? And then we go into um, the the, you know, the, you know, what do you what do you call it? Um, ordinary time. Ordinary time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then to Lent. So uh, we're in this specific season of growth, spiritual growth, and, and you know it's good. Like like Advent is sort of like you know we've been in ordinary time. It's sort of like hey, uh, get back to the spiritual mm-hmm. life, and and you know it's been it's been good for me. You know, we have Marian devotions. We have you know these beautiful saints. Um, there's so many beautiful saints during Christmas time and, and Advent, really. I mean, like, some some hard hitters. Yeah, and there's a lot of excuses um, for us to have to not enter into Advent during Christmas. So the one thing about Lent is, like, there's nothing else going on, right? Like, right. like Lent, you know, you have Mardi Gras here if you're in Louisiana, and then mm-hmm. it's Lent. There's no secular Lent. There's no secular right Lent. And then you you just kind of Easter, and then but Lent, Lent is like, oh, we're in the middle of it. <clears throat> and you, Advent, yeah, you just go to the pool boy place. There are a lot of distractions Lent. in Advent, oh, um, yeah. you know, because Christmas mm-hmm. is coming up. And so you, you have to be really intentional about entering into Advent. But yet Advent is so tangible. It's so good. It's so real. It's so human mm-hmm. for us to grab hold of and allow God to spiritually renew us. Yeah. yeah. This is the first year I've actually done an Advent wreath, which, I mean, we just didn't grow, do it growing up. I had no like model for doing an advent wreath, you know. Right. And uh, we just we we made it happen this year, like we're responsible adults and did it. And there's nothing. I mean, it's it's so centering for me, you know. Like it just really brings you back to Christ. We we've done it, and I mean, I like fire, so that's the exciting part for me too, just like lighting the candles. Um, so you got a, big, a, you got a big candle then. Uh, well, I should have got a bigger candle. I didn't realize they burn so fast. Next year. Next year I'll get bigger candles, but <laughs> that's like. I get to light the candles for, and we just like make sure we have dinner at the table, uh, every every night, and like read a little spiritual reading, which we've been reading from, uh, the Devout Life. What is it? Uh, Introduction to Introdu- Devout Life. Yeah, from Saint Francis de Sales. We just it's like short chapters, right? And it's been so good for us to enter into Advent, like that simple act of not eating on the couch and eating at the dinner table and like well, the you're Advent preparing, you're preparing to be a family, right? Yeah, and and God, you know. Yeah, I guess so. That's what that's what Advent is for you. Like you guys are actually, you know, you're, you're married. You're expecting your first, but God's preparing y'all to be a family. Like to learn how to have dinner together and bring this yeah. child into the develop world. Develop a good routine. Develop a good routine. You know, um, so so that's cool. Like that's your your journey. No it matter really where people are on the spectrum of of where they are right now in their in their life, we can relate to the story of Advent, and everyone in their humanness can relate to what's going on with Mary and Joseph and their journey. Cause we've all been displaced. We've all been, you know, in a point in our life where, you know, God's will wasn't our will. We, we've all been at a point where, um, you know, 
we we've had to do things that we didn't want to do. You know, this journey in Advent is very relatable, and so I just want to encourage and invite people. You know, we also this Sunday, um, you know, we hear from John the Baptist a lot at Advent, right? What a guy! The, the greatest of all prophets, right? He's a New Testament prophet, and if you think about the Israelites, uh, the Jewish people, like it it had been a long time since they had heard from a prophet. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the prophet Israel, right? Like, like Isaiah, you know, just prophesying. It, like, it had been a while since they had had a prophet and John the Baptist comes out, you know, crazy prophesying. And here is, you know, the beauty of the connection between Mary and John the Baptist is, is that their lives prophetically point not to themselves, but to Jesus, the mm-hmm. Messiah who's coming to save the world, Right. And so when we hear from John in the gospel, it's, it's all about that. It's all about like, no, 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 this isn't about me. Like, I'm not prophesying for me. This is, this is pointing to who is to come, who is Jesus. Yeah, which is, I mean, well, I was something, we do a men's group uh, on Friday mornings at 5.30 in the morning, which is a real joy. Um, that's one of the things we talked about this morning, actually, was like, man, he just was so confident in his identity. Like, he knew who he was. And didn't try to pretend like he was a savior. And I feel like, I mean, this is a whole show in itself, I suppose, but I feel like it's uh, sort of the complex we get into and sort of the reason that we'll, we'll often feel inferior. It's like, man, we have to be the one to bring success to our company or the one to, you know, like, and it's us, it's all on us. But what John the Baptist understood was that it's not, I mean, he's just bringing people to Christ. Yep. And that's his role. When I, that's what teaches us, like, that's our role. You know, right? Yeah, Our Lady of Guadalupe, the great evangelist, is to point people to Jesus. You know, people didn't—they weren't baptized in the name of Mary. They're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Their conversion was to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So, our life is to point to Jesus, like always, no matter what, no matter what season, no matter what we're doing, no matter what job we're in. Like our life is to point to Jesus, and that's the beauty of of Advent is like it's helping us to grow in in that in that reality so all right let's get to six pack of questions question you guys even prepared oh totally are you you going back and forth sure who knows who's going first Uh, question number one oh Um, always so we talked a bit about bees (laughs) and nature and that kind of thing which was good yeah i learned a lot yeah Mm mm-hmm so my question for you, uh, and you mentioned uh, it's important to connect with nature and things like that. So my question for you is especially with adults. So not thinking about the kid world and making sure our kids spend time outside, but like adults who have a day-to-day life that's usually, for a lot of us, indoors or something like that. What are just some concrete ways to, to have a healthy human connection with the world, you know, hmm. the natural world? Well, I would say my advice would be to just be. good one good one learn how to just (laughs) learn how to just be with god Uh, you know what i love about the outdoors and 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 that's one of the things that that i enjoy personally is is the outdoors getting out the quiet nature and it's one of my favorite places to pray you know i don't i don't use the outdoors just for like just leisure or whatever it's it's like i connect with with god and nature as well but you know, for all of us, it, you know, is is we we need time and space and quiet to really, honestly, just be just be with God, be in quiet. And and if you can ha- ever get some of that time to be outside, to be in nature, I mean, 
even more so because it's just good for our souls. Yeah, COVID was a perfect time for that. You get cooped up in the house, you're tired of it, like go on a hike. Take a hike. Yeah. Well, in particular, maybe people who are who are listening who are from South Louisiana, like they might have harsh winters. Like getting mm-hmm. outside might be really difficult for them because mm-hmm. it's not fun. And it's sort of like August for us where it's like, ah, oh, it's very inconvenient to go outside. So mm-hmm. to to just pray, for, you know, even to have moments of, of um, <clears throat> grace and solitude and consolation when you're stuck inside, you know. Yeah, question number two. St. John the Baptist was known for, uh, speaking of bees again, yep. eating locusts and honey. Yep. If you had to survive in the desert on two things, what what foods would you choose? Well, in Louisiana, we fry everything. So I would just fry the locust, and it would probably taste like chicken. Wow. So you would choose locusts. But um, if I had to choose between locusts and honey. I'd no, no, no. Choose two foods. Any two, two foods. Two foods, yeah, yeah. Of in In nature. Sure. No, you could. It could be pop tarts. Whatever. Oh, like just anything <laughs> yeah. to. Sorry, I'm. I'm totally Adam's stepping making, into your question. <laughs> Adam's making rules for my that's, question. That's the first time. I'm sorry, Chad. <laughs> no, it's this okay. is it's terrible. Okay. I just joke. I mean, two foods, steak, any foods. steak, and a baked potato. I mean, like, could you ever really? go wrong? Like, yeah, forever, forever. Until so you get beheaded by a king or a murder hornet. Sounds pretty good, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. All right. Question number three. So we talked about uh, our Lady Guadalupe and evangelization. Um, so what's been your experience with like Hispanic Catholics, especially over those 10 years when you've had that devotion to Our Lady Guadalupe, um, and you've worked with a lot of different groups in the faith, but you know, what's your experience with Hispanic Catholics as far as their particular charism, particular connection to Our Lady? Like what has Our Lady done in their life that just is just so obvious or, or that you can notice? Yeah, I think one of the actual you know, misunderstandings or even insults that Catholics get, and particularly maybe Latino Catholics who have <clears throat> such a devotion to Our Lady and Our Lady of Guadalupe because of the conversion of their country, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a judgment and sort of this looking down, you know, whether it be from people within the church or outside, is like, oh, well, because they know Mary, they don't know Jesus, right? They don't, they yeah. don't have a relationship with Christ, but they do with Mary. They have a devotion to Mary. And I'm like, um, actually... You know that's that's pretty judgmental statement. Like, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure like if they have a devotion to Mary, there there is some grace that's pointing to 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 Jesus, right? Mary, Mary w- would never isolate herself into being the one that people, um, you know, are led to. Like it, it it's all about being a conduit to Jesus, right? Um, and so you know what I found is just for folks who have a, a a Marian devotion and it's really huge to them is that they they do through Mary have a relationship with, with Jesus you know is there ongoing deep deeper conversion that we can all have or they can have absolutely but it's it's beautiful awesome question number four how have you on Mary have you how have you like cultivated a devotion to Mary and your family yeah does that make sense yeah no that makes sense and I I, there's just been times and conversations where, you know, there's a struggle or a prayer or a prayer request or a discernment and you say, you know, um, let, let's ask Mary to help, you know, in that mm-hmm. prayer and in that discernment, you know, obviously incorporating the rosary, you know, teaching your kids and praying the rosary um, and, you know, asking for Mary's intercession, you know, through, through that prayer and through that rosary. So, um, you know, there's just so many ways to invite, Mary into your spiritual life 
and it just all points back to her drawing us closer to Christ, you know? And I know for me, uh, it, 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 it's like sometimes when I'm stuck in the spiritual life, I don't know if you guys have found this, like going, you know, I wouldn't say going back, but like going, going to Mary, like is like the, the tow truck that pulls me out of the mud, mm-hmm. you know, her, her gentleness, her, her motherly love and advice. It, it's, it's like, it pulls me out of my rut, you know? And, um, so I want to encourage anyone to, you know, if, if, if Jesus loved her, his mother the way he loved his mother, then and if we're to be like Jesus, then we should, in being like Jesus, love his mother the way he loved his mother. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, question number five. So as we're cooking our Advent gumbo, let's say we took a taste. Ooh. We took a taste, and it's not, it's not coming out mm-hmm. right. You know, like <laughs> yeah. we look back on our past two weeks, and we're like, mm. you know. Um, what would you be suggest? What would you suggest for the remaining two weeks as far as things we could do to really enter into this season? Here's the secret about Cajun cooking that people who aren't Cajun don't know is that you can cook for a lot of people on very little money, and that was the Cajun way. Like if you look at Cajun mm-hmm. history, mm-hmm. that's why we eat like lots of rice and lots of gravies, and you know it's just like it can go a long way for a lot of people, and it doesn't cost as much, which is great for big you know Cajun families. And so the reality is sometimes a gumbo can go bad and you just start it off bad and you can never correct the ship on it and it doesn't cost that much. So it's okay. Like maybe just throw your gumbo out and start over. (laughs) Especially if you burnt the roux. You know? So yeah, there's sometimes in the process of a gumbo that you you just, there's nothing you can do to correct the ship. So it's okay. Like it didn't cost you that much at that point. Just throw it out and start over. And, like, if you haven't entered into Advent at this point or it's been bad, like, just reset. Like, start over and jump in. Like, you don't want to get midway through Advent but be like, I haven't done nothing, so I'm not going to do anything. It's mm-hmm. like, no, just jump in now. Jesus loves you. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you don't, Christmas is just junk food. Hmm. You know, it's a bunch of candy you eat and you get a tummy ache and then you're you want to move on the next day. But if you have a good gumbo, you eat good gumbo for weeks, right? Yeah, if you, you put it in the mm-hmm. freezer. And you would skip dessert. Yes. For a good gumbo. That's, that should be Christmas. It's the thing we want to eat on for a few more weeks. Mm. Mm. Question number six. We've been talking about preparation and babies and things. Do you have any wild stories from the last month before giving birth? Or, or like wild birth stories? Wild birth stories. <laughs> <laughs> Yeehaw! That's wild crazy. birth Woo-hoo! stories today hey. on Catholic Radio. Oh, you've had four kids now. Five? Five. Four. Five kids. Yeah. And, uh, that you know I mean, of. I know Deacon Adam has his own. <laughs> what do you say it like that? Well, I, I mean, you could have another one on the way, and you. Don't I, I know Deacon Adam. Well, last since since this is kids since this is your, crazy. your first, I don't want to say anything that's going to like worry you, freak you out. Uh, no, I want to hear the worst. But and, I want to hear as bad as it gets. And we don't have a ton of time. But I will say this: that like honestly, like the miracle of Christmas is is it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And every time you experience one of your children being born. It's a miracle. Like you're like, you're in. You're just like I cannot believe this is happening. Like this, you know. So, the wild story of every birth is like there's a life coming into the world, and I cannot believe it. You know, and it doesn't matter how many kids you have. Every time, it's it's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like new. It's like you're in awe. And what I would say to you, like as you guys are getting closer and closer, 
is just enjoy every moment and and just just enter into every little moment the good the bad the hurt the pain uh and and experience the beauty of it and then if you guys have have another one like it'll be the same over again like just and you know so mm-hmm. that would be my advice and and my advice to everyone listening in a sense of like just enter into advent like er, the the hard the tough the good the joy the sadness the bad the 2020 the pandemic the everything that's made this year kind of crazy is like here we are in advent and there's hope and that hope is jesus and it we may not always think feel or know that but you know jesus is there and he's inviting us into this journey with him in the midst of in the midst of whatever we're going through right Mm -hmm. not outside of it not we don't wait till everything gets better it's like no in the midst of what we're going through jesus journeys with us so thanks for listening uh on the radio klft radio 90.5 or on the podcast really appreciate it and uh, we'll talk to you next week god bless